It's good to see you all. Uh, this first Sunday of 2020, and the party's just beginning, so welcome. Uh, Deuteronomy 28.13 says this, The Lord will make you the head, not the tail. And if you pay attention to the commands of the Lord your God that I give you this day and carefully follow them, you will always be at the top and never at the bottom. So my prayer for you today is that you end up on top and not on the bottom as you listen. Pray with me. Thank you, Lord, so much that we are not the head, that we are the head and not the tail, that we are above only and not beneath in all that we do. Guide us, Lord, and give us wisdom every day, causing us to do the things to work out for our good. We thank you that you are with us always, Jesus, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. If you were here with us last week, you heard a, a wonderful first message in, 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 in our, in our uh, break week between uh, Christmas and New Year there of starting fresh. And uh, today we're starting a new teaching series here at the DeWitt campus, and this series is called Fresh Start. So you can play along in the game with us. My name is Ron Beckering. I'm the director of high school and college ministry. I am just a pinch hitter this week for Pastor Rod, who had a tough week battling something, maybe fluish, but he's here today, so that's a good thing. So at least he's returning to health, and that's good. But here's the thing, is, as, as we're getting ready to start this new year, whether it's a birthday, a spiritual new beginning, maybe a changing season, we tend to look for opportunities for us to wipe the slate clean, proverbially. proverbially. Um, we want to start again. And for some, that may mean jump-starting a new exercise program. Maybe it's eating well. Uh, maybe it's a commitment to spend more quality time with family and friends. For still others, it might be a commitment to have a deeper walk with Christ. And in a sense, the new year is a new chapter for everyone. It means that we get to start over. And jumping into a new year is not just about getting through the next 365, or depending if we have this leap year, 366 days. It's about living life every day as a fresh start. It's about treating each and every opportunity you encounter from now on as a chance to change your life for the better. And today, as we start that process, we're going to look at a new way of living. Pray with me. Gracious God, thank you for being with us today. We would ask that you would open our ears and open our, our hearts to what you would have for us today. Be with us as we continue on in this worship time. Let us focus on you as the only one we're worshiping today. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Okay, before we get started, if you're hauling out your sermon notes to take the notes with the sermon today, I invite you to look at the title and understand that today the title should be A New Way of Living. It should not be a circle of blame because I will not be talking about a circle of blame today. I will let Rod talk about your circle of blame. So this week we are talking about a new way of living. Think about it. The new box at Christmas that you get and you open it up because you can't wait to put it together so that you can use it. You're so excited for what it could be. You're ready to grab that box to rip it open and start putting it together because you want your kids to be able to play with it or because you want to play with it, whatever it is. But here's what we find out, right? There's two types of people in this world. 
We have those who read the directions all the way through and those who don't. And just so we're clear, I am not the one of those people who reads the directions all the way through. I see the picture on the front of the box and I feel extremely confident that I can do that. I look at it, I see the finished project, I get started. I have no patience to read, put slot A into tab B and attach with three eighth bolt, which is package 47. Or the lock washer that is in package number 16. And then it says to repeat on the left side after moving the obtuse frame from package C into the side rail. I think I would rather pay somebody to do that for me. I don't have time for that. But what we've learned over the years is that reading the directions is for those people who want to get it right the first time. Pastor Andy Stanley says directions are for those who don't know the joy of reassembling. I can tell you this, I have a, a lot of experience with the joy of reassembling. I was thinking about one time I put together a some assembly required project for one of my daughters and had to take it apart, the glued pegs, the screws, the whole nine yards, because it didn't come out like it was supposed to look. Reassembling happens when you don't bother with the directions. Sometimes you use the wrong bolts, or maybe you put the stand on backwards, or maybe sometimes it just takes a few tries for you to get it right. But that, my friends, is the joy of reassembling. Starting over, reassembly, those are fine for storage cabinets or a toy. But when you think about it, it's not very good when it comes to our relationships. It's not very good when it comes to parenting. It's not really, really good when it comes to jobs or to finances. And in the major areas of our life, Starting over is disruptive and sometimes costly. We all have to do it at times, but the question is, how can we make sure that this time when we start over, it won't be like the last time? What does it look like for us to start over and do it better and get it right? That's what we're going to look at in this teaching series over the next few weeks. And to get us going in a new direction, we need to dispel three myths or three assumptions that we have when it comes to starting over or making a fresh start. The first assumption is that experience makes us wiser. Experience makes us wiser. It's a phrase that we've all heard and maybe even some of us believe it. And I wish it were true, but it's not true. Experience, what it does for us is it makes us older. It makes us tired. It makes us poorer. It makes us angrier and sometimes lonely, lonelier. But it doesn't always make us wiser because experience on its own doesn't make us any wiser. Here's what it is. It's an evaluated experience that makes us wiser. Listen, going through something doesn't mean anything all by itself. It's what we have learned through the experience that helps shape our decisions and actions in the future. That's what makes a difference. 
The Old Testament scriptures tell us of the people of Israel as they began their journey to the promised land. You, you might remember the story. God had just parted the Red Sea and led, the, uh, led his people safely away from Pharaoh and, and the Egyptian army. And, and God did a miracle with water to deliver his people. But three days later, those same people are complaining because they had no water to drink. See, the experience of seeing God provide for them and perform that, water, that miracle of splitting that water so that they could get away, it did not make the people wiser. Because here they are complaining that they have nothing to drink, they have no water. They had not evaluated their experience. The people didn't take time to think about what they had just gone through. They didn't evaluate the power of God and think about how God might provide them with water to drink. So the point is this. Just because we go through something doesn't mean that we're going to learn from it. We have to evaluate that experience so that we can make better decisions the next time that we get put into a similar situation. And I think where we can really see this play out is in relationships. We all have friends who get out of one bad relationship and before they can reflect on it, before they can learn from it, before they can even think about it, they have jumped into another relationship and that's just as bad. And we often see this pattern happen again and again and again in others. Maybe even sometimes in ourselves we see it. So we know that experience doesn't make us wiser. It's that evaluated experience that helps us when we need to make a fresh start. I'm a, I was a baseball player in college, and when a pitcher got me on that one pitch, or when my daughter was facing the rise ball that always ate her up, it took time for us to reevaluate that swing and how we went after that pitch. But the, once you figured out how to hit a curveball, once you figured out how to hit a rise ball, those are the best ones to hit because they go a long, long way. See, that's where we start to learn, get wiser when we do these things. We see that if we see that often this pattern again happens to us, and we know that experience doesn't make us wiser, and it's that evaluated experience that helps us when we need that fresh start. So my first question for you today is this, what experience do you need to evaluate before you can start something new this year? I'll say it again, what experience do you need to evaluate before you can start something new this year? The second assumption is similar to the first. It's this, I know better now, so I'll do better this time. It's often what we tell ourselves, isn't it? But it's not true either. Listen, we know right from wrong, but we still make wrong choices. We know what is good for us to eat, but we still choose to eat those wrong foods. We know how we should treat people in relationships, but we often find us ourselves falling back into bad behaviors that don't lift others up. The Apostle Paul knew good from evil, and he knew that deep down he wanted to do good. But in the end, it was always the evil that he chose, 
And in Romans 7, 14 through 19, Paul writes about his struggle with sin. And this is so rich. This is the guy that wrote two-thirds of our New Testament. And this is his struggle. Listen to this. So the trouble is not with the law, for it is spiritual and good. The trouble is with me, for I am all too human, a slave to sin. I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. But if I know that what I am doing is wrong, this shows that I agree that the law is good. So I am not the one doing wrong. It is the sin living in me that does it. And I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. Guys, just knowing better doesn't mean we will do better the next time. We have to learn what to do differently so that next time we will truly be better. People who successfully overcome addictions have learned this lesson. I mean, just knowing that drinking too much doesn't help someone who is battling alcoholism. What helps is knowing what to do differently when that temptation to drink comes along. And this is where programs like Alcoholics Anonymous find their success. Because what people learn to do differently is to get someone to help them. On our own, we can't do better, but when others step in at just that right moment to offer help, we can. So my second question for you today is this. Where do you need to learn new behaviors before you can make a fresh start? And I'll say it again. Where do you need to learn new behaviors before you can make a fresh start? The third assumption is that time is against us. This is another false assumption that often keeps us from making a fresh start. When we start thinking, I'm not getting any younger, we often act quickly. We act ir irrationally. Sometimes we're even unfaithful in, in what, the way we act. And when we start thinking that time is against us, we usually take matters into our own hands and do the things that we want to do the way that we want them done. And we see this happen in the life of Abraham and Sarah in the Old Testament. God has promised Abraham that he would be the father of many nations, which he interpreted as having many children, or at least a child. But for years, for years, no child ever arrived, and Sarah was not able to conceive. So Abraham and Sarah, they started saying to themselves, hey, we aren't getting any younger. So they decided that Abraham should do this. He could possibly have a child with Sarah's servant, and at least he would have that offspring. Now, thinking that time was against them caused Abraham and Sarah to act unfaithfully. And it, it, it caused them to act, on, uh, to rush into a decision that in the end was disastrous. Because instead of seeing time as an enemy, we need to see time as our friend. 
See, time gives us the opportunity to think and to reflect. It gives us the opportunity to, the opportunity to evaluate and to learn, and time gives us the opportunity to come up with good and faithful plans for the future. Time gives God the opportunity to speak to us and shape us. Time often helps us hear things that we simply weren't ready to hear earlier. This is something here at Redeemer that, that, that I have been taught since the day I started working here. Pastor Rod has reminded me of this time and time and time again. Take time. You don't have to make a snap decision. Take time to sit with it, to live with it, to pray over it. Make sure you're making the right decision. And I appreciate that guidance that he's given to help my faith grow in that manner. See, giving ourselves time to listen and time to learn and giving God time to work in us and around us is sometimes difficult. I mean, we live in a society where we convince ourselves that waiting is a bad thing. We get upset when we turn the cart at Meyer and there are two check lanes opened and the line is back to the clothing. Yeah, I know you are out there. This is where we start to get frustrated already with time because we're too busy. We have to forget about waiting two days for Amazon to deliver that package. We want it now. And that's why Amazon Prime is so popular. And did you know they have drone services in the big cities where they, it's being explored so that they can just drop the packages from the sky? When are we going to get that? Because I want to catch them outside. <laughs> I mean, this is, this is really going to be something, right? People don't want to wait for packages. They don't want to wait for answers. We don't even want to wait for our faith to develop. We want it now. And yet God often calls us to wait. And this time of waiting is important because it gives us the opportunity to grow and to mature. Abraham was told he was going to be the father of a great nation. And it was 25 years before he even had a child. Moses, he first rose to power as a, rose to a leader among the Jewish people while he was a young man in Pharaoh's court. But do you understand that it wasn't until he had spent 40 years as a shepherd that God finally used him to deliver his people from Egypt? The Apostle Paul became a follower of Jesus on that Damascus Road experience in, in Acts. But do you understand that he spent three years in the wilderness of Arabia studying before he came to be a leader in the Christian church? See, time helps us to learn, and time helps us to grow. I believe that time humbles us, and it helps us hear God's divine plan for our lives. And if we will give ourselves time before we make a decision or, or jump into something new or before we have the ability to evaluate those experiences, we have to learn how to do things differently and have a clearer understanding of what God wants for us. And friends, that is where we get this question, which is the third question we have for you today. Where do you need to give God more time before you try something new? 
Where do you need to give God more time before you try something new? Or this question, where do you need to give God more time before you start something over? Where do you give him time before you start over? I want to close with one verse of scripture that we need to keep in mind as we face situations where we need to, when we need to start over. Whether we are starting over because we've made a mess of things or because life has handed us a mess or tragedy or because others have created a mess in our lives, there is one thing that we need to remember. And this verse has become so important over these last few years in my life. This is a verse that, that I've held on to, this Romans 8.28. This is what Paul wrote. He said, And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. He said, And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. So no matter what we are coming out of, God can work in that for good. God's greatest gift is taking our brokenness and making something positive out of it. We can start over and have things be better, but only if we give God the ability to work in our lives. And friends, this is no, no more real for me than my wife's current fight with stage four metastatic breast cancer, which started in four spots, which is now in, four, now in six or seven spots. There's a plan in that. And God knows what it is. And I'm thankful he knows because I don't know. And I'm thankful in, in the brokenness in my spirit over this disease. And I know that's true for a number of you. That brokenness we feel inside, God is there. And he wants to be there for you because God works for the good in those who love him. And if we love God, and if we love God, then we have the ability to allow God to work in all things. If we don't open up the areas of our life to God, then those will be the areas that constantly stir us up, that constantly trip us causing us to have to start over again and again and again and again and again. See, the more we open ourselves up to God, the more God can work in us for good and the more that God can move us along good paths so that this time might truly be better than the last time. And maybe even that this time might actually be the last time that we need to start over. As we start this new year, we all have places where we need to start over. And we need to do this with new assumptions, with new attitudes, and with a new way of living. Friends, evaluate the experiences you've gone through so that you can make wise decisions. Learn what you need to do differently to actually do better this time. Give God and give yourself time. Time to heal a time to listen, a time to learn, a time to grow, a time to trust, a time to discover what God's true purpose is for your life. This time, friends, when we start over, let's do it right so it can truly be the last time we ever need to start over.
Let's pray. Loving God, in all your greatness, Lord, we would just ask that you would help us to see where we need to start over in our lives. Lord, we'd ask that you show us the mistakes that, that we need to avoid so that we can be better for you. Through you, Lord, let us evaluate and reflect on the changes that we need to make to establish a fresh start in our lives. And Jesus, Jesus, we would just pray and ask you to help us to find more time for you. Whether it's listening or just talking to you, help us to find time for that. Whether it's studying you or being in your presence, just give us time. Put in our hearts this morning a yearning for getting to know you better. And allow us to take time healing, learning, maturing, listening for whatever you might have for us to attain, Lord. We love you, Lord Jesus. And we thank you so much for the spirit that guides us today. We pray this all in the name of Jesus the Christ. Amen.